Oh 
right. Hey, good morning, everybody. So good to see you today. Wow, we had a beautiful weekend, right? How many of you spent yesterday doing yard work? <laughs> a lot of us, right? The leaves are starting to fall, and you got to, like, blow them or, like, hit them with your lawnmower like I do. I learned the hard way. One year, we tried to blow all of the leaves. We like, wanted to wait until all of the leaves fell and just take care of them in one fell swoop. And uh, after about nine hours of leaf blowing, we were like, we're never doing that again. That was terrible. So hopefully you, you had a, a good day yesterday doing some yard work. Not like that. So we just invite you today. Uh, welcome to Watershed. We're so glad to see you today. Just uh, We invite you to stand and greet some people around you. Say hey. Uh, and if you need a question of the day, the question that our team came up with is, what is your favorite Muppet? Like Jim Henson's <laughs> Muppet. I'm a Gonzo fan. So what Muppet is your favorite? morning. I welcome you all to stand and sing these next few songs with us.
to Jesus today. Our God is an unstoppable God. I love singing that song because it just reminds me of the power of our God who cannot be stopped, right? There's nothing he can't move. There's nothing he can't change. There's nothing he can't transform. This is the God we worship today. So we just invite you to sing this next one with us. I'm gonna see 
invite you to have a seat at this time and then just check out this video. It's the next one in our story series. After Moses died, God gave Joshua the job of leading the Israelites. The first thing he did was send spies into Jericho, a city Israel was about to invade. While they were there, the two spies hid in the home of a woman named Rahab, who was a prostitute. That day, the king of Jericho heard about the spies, but Rahab hid the two spies on her roof and told the king's messengers that the spies had already left and she didn't know where they were. Then, when it was safe, she lowered the men down to the ground using a rope. Days later, Joshua led his army to the city of Jericho. They marched around the walls of the city for seven days. Then, on the seventh day, they marched around the walls seven times, blew their trumpets, and let out a loud shout. When they did, the walls of the city completely collapsed and Israel's army charged in and conquered the city. They burned the city to the ground and killed every man, woman, child, and animal in the city, except for Rahab and her family. For years, Joshua and the Israelites marched through the Promised Land, defeating their enemies, killing every living thing in each city, and dedicating their victories to God. Eventually, the Israelites took control of much of the Promised Land. Finally, when he was very old, Joshua gathered all of the leaders of Israel around him. Just like Moses did, he reminded everyone of all the things God had done for them. Then. He placed a large stone under an oak tree as a reminder to all to follow the laws of God. And invite the kids to come forward. pray. Father God, we first just want to thank you for this gorgeous weekend. Um, you are such a great provider, and we love you for that. We thank you for bringing us here this morning to church. May we just open our hearts and minds to what you want us to hear and what you want us to learn. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see you all this morning. Good to be able to worship God together to continue in our series uh, in the story. The story, if you haven't been around here uh, at Heart of Lake, at Watershed, uh, is a big uh, kind of journey throughout the whole Bible. So we started at the beginning in Genesis, and now we're picking up in the book of Joshua. So uh, right after the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Here we are, God's people, 
uh, have been taken, have been rescued from Egypt, led through the wilderness, and now uh, finally have the opportunity to enter the promised land. And there's been a transition of power in the Israelite community. Moses, who was their leader, has, has died and passed over that leadership to Joshua, as we saw in our video. Today we're starting a new mini-series in this whole thing called The Story, entitled A New Land and Life. Right? So going into this promised land was, was a totally new chapter for the people of Israel. And God is on their side. Right? So I don't know about you, oftentimes when we think God is on my side, this, I'll just speak for myself, I'll think then God's not for them. Uh-oh. Anybody ever think that way? We're entering, and you don't hear me talk about politics much. I don't like to talk about politics much from, from the pulpit, um, only if, any, if ever to offend everyone. So there you go. Um, <laughs> but uh, we have come to one of my least favorite times of any year, uh, and especially in the cycle we have here in our country, midterm elections. Right? And what drives me nuts when we think about God being for us and maybe against others is when in politics one party or the other or some other, right? Because we know while we have Republicans and Democrats, we also have the Green Party and the Independent Party and all kinds of other parties. But when one party says, we got God and you don't, how many of us have ever heard that? It doesn't matter where, it doesn't matter in which part. In our community here at Hardawike, we have people in every one of those parties. We have people who are going, are you crazy? I don't want to vote, but I know I need to vote, so how do I figure this out? What if there's nobody good? <laughs> right? It, it gets to be really, I, I'm just, here's personal confession time. It's really annoying. And I, as a pastor, really get ticked off when people start laying claim to God. Right, our mission here at Hardawike is to see everyone. So in a political season, that means Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green Party, doesn't matter where. Which side where? Like even if you come up with your own party. Yes, you too. To see everyone joining in the journey of being found in, formed by, and following Jesus. Because we know God has a kingdom and isn't resigned to any party. God is king of the world and stands above and over, right? Our mission is important because we know that we want to be formed around and by God, not shape God into something that he's not. This is really important for us today in Joshua because when we come to God taking over this promised land for his people, we could start to believe and see that God is only for the Israelites and is completely against all the others because, see, we, we hear some crazy stories about God. We saw it just briefly there in Jericho, wiping out total people groups. So we could think that God is only for Israel and not for the, not for the world. Well, there's a particular story going on in Canaan, where the Canaanites, in their history, they had been against God. They had been completely immoral. They had even done things like sacrifice children to idols. You think God gets a little irritated by that in a history? And they're occupying a space, what was considered the navel of the world, right? This life presence for the rest of the world, and Jerusalem will be that throughout the story of the, of the early world, even into Rome itself. 
And so God wanted his people to occupy that space. Why? So the good news, so that life and the stories about God, that God was for the world, not just for a people, to come from that place. There's some uncomfortable things that happen through Joshua. But I think there's a particular few verses here that I want, to, want us to pay attention to. I actually never saw these verses before until we were sitting in staff devotions. We have staff devotions every Wednesday. We read some scripture together, pray together as a whole heart like staff. So not just Watershed, but all three communities, all the ministries that are going on here. And we came across these few verses, and I want to bring those to our attention this morning. In Joshua chapter 5, God had already said to, to Joshua, I'm with you. And, and you need to go take out Jericho. And here's what we hear. Starting in verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword drawn in his hand. Joshua, he's got some guts, went up to him and asked, Are you for us or our enemies? Quite a question, isn't it? God had said, I'm with you. I'm for you. Go do this. But Joshua asked the question, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. Neither. Let that sink in a moment. God says, Joshua, I'm for you. I'm for my people. You're going to go in and take this land. But when Joshua asks this commander of the army of the Lord, as we see in this verse, what's he say? Neither. Create a little dissonance in you. See, band played really well this morning so far. Well done. You didn't hear, hit any of those weird notes that creates dissonance, right? But the scripture just created a little bit for us. Neither. Goes on to say this. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down on the ground in reverence and worship. And asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Much like Moses when he saw a bush that wasn't consumed by fire and God speaks to him there, take off your sandals, this is holy ground. This angel, this commander of the Lord's army, doesn't tell Joshua not to worship him. So guess what? This might actually be God himself. It says, Joshua, this is holy ground. And when he asks the question, who are you for? Which camp are you in? Which political party do you stand for? Which agenda? Which person who prays? Do you, have you ever heard that one too? Right, you get in these conversations with people and then they try relegating God to their side. Well, I was praying and God told me. You know what? But I was praying and God told me. Have you ever had that happen? The angel of the Lord's army, possibly even God himself says, neither. And I want to look again just at Joshua. And uh, what we hear at the beginning of the book is this. God says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left so that you can be successful wherever you go. Right? Obey my law. Goes on to say this in verse 8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Right? God's in essence saying to Joshua, dive into me. Keep me as a part of your life regularly, daily. 
even at moments throughout your day. Because God knows we're fickle people. <laughs> right? We buy it when, so, oh, when, when somebody makes that claim to God. We're quick to, oh, yeah, yeah, so it must be. Right? Everything in a Christian bookstore must be good. No, no, no. No, let me, let me make that. <laughs> right? We're fickle. And what's God say? No, stay, Joshua, stay anchored in me and who I am and what I do. Verse 9, have I not commanded you, be strong, courageous. Right? Don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Joshua was invited to trust. We saw in our video today at the very end, in Joshua 24, he sets up a stone and he says, this stone is a witness for you and for me about this commitment to follow God. Joshua 24, we hear actually these words. He says this, starting in verse 14, Now fear the Lord, serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancest- that your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, so you do have a choice, you know, much like when our kids, you're not giving us a choice. Yeah, I'm giving you a choice. (laughs) You can, yes, and you can't. But there are repercussions to the you can't, right? If it seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you're going to serve, whether it's the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Well, what did they just see? God wipe out those who served those gods of the Amorites, right? This land that God gifted to them that oftentimes they didn't do of their own. They marched around Jericho and the walls fell. I mean, come on, that is not a battle strategy. (laughs) But Joshua says this, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And just a few verses later in verse 31, we hear Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who had outlived him and who had experienced everything that the Lord had done for Israel. Right? And Joshua and his faithfulness and his commitment to God, whether it was whether we know for sure he was committed to, yeah, I'm reading my Bible every day. I, I don't know what his daily devotional life looked like. But throughout the book of Joshua, we see a man who was faithful to God. And in his faithfulness to God, in his choice to follow God's lead, to be formed by God, right? To find himself in God. What do we hear? He left a legacy. He left the legacy of a people choosing to follow. A people group, not just Joshua, got to experience a new land and a new life. Because of that commitment. Well, did everybody in the book of Joshua? Did every Israelite? No, there was a guy named Achan. And uh, after they took over Jericho, there's a story uh, in, in chapter 6, going into 7 even, um, in, about Achan. And here's what we hear. Chapter 7, starting in verse 10. Achan had reserved for himself, he took some of the, the items that, they were supposed to, that were supposed to be dedicated and devoted to the Lord, he kept for himself. God didn't want him keeping anything, but Achan held some things back. And so the Lord said to Joshua, said, stand up. What are you doing with your face down? At this point in time, the people of Israel had gone up against the people of Ai with eh, 2,000, 3,000 people maybe, those who looked in the land. We can take it, no problem. 
But in the meantime, they went against Ai because Achan had held things back. 36 people died, and then all of a sudden their spirit in the whole Israelite camp had like melted. Right? It had whittled away because they got defeated by this people they should have easily beaten. And especially if God was on their side. So Joshua is saying, what's going on, God? How? Why? I thought you were with us. God says, stand up. What are you doing down on your face? Israel has sinned. Israel sinned. Now we know one man has sinned, but that one sin affects and infects the lives of so many others. They violated my covenant, which I commanded you to keep. They've taken some of the devoted things they've stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That's why the Israelites can't stand against their enemies. They've turned their backs and run because they've, made, they've been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. Right? Sometimes we think, well, God is with us, so hey, what can go wrong? Right? If God is for us, he's got to be for everything I'm for. Amen? No. And yet, so often, that's our posture. If God is for us, God's for everything I'm for. Now, that's just not true. God's desire, if his desire is to lead us into life, is if, if part of his major desire is to rescue us from sin, he understands that sin is something that we can't get out of our system on our own. It has to come from him. We need his help. We need his life. We have to stay committed to his things for, for that to do a work in us, for us to be formed and be found in him. Problem is when we go in and we do things that are not of him, he's not going to be for it because that's the very thing he's trying to rescue us from. Remember last week we talked about God's desire as much as it was to rescue the people from Egypt was to continue to get Egypt out of them. In Achan, much like in the New Testament, when the church first gets formed, we hear a story of Ananias and Sapphira who made a commitment and reneged on it and God goes, poof, you're gone. And we're like, <gasps> like, uh-oh. And I don't know about you, sometimes you think God, have any of you ever thought if you do the wrong thing, God's going to smite thee and you'll be like evaporated off the face of the earth? <sighs> Maybe I'm just alone in that one. <laughs> that was what I was brought up being taught, right? We're going to take these, these once every few centuries moments because <laughs> we also don't read the Bible with time in our minds, right? Like this is a particular moment in time in the in Israelites' journey, Joshua. It isn't every situation, every story. Actually, if we read Joshua, even though God says wipe out all things, later we'll read a passage and not everything gets wiped out necessarily and it wasn't a bad thing. But God's saying, I need to rid you completely of these things, otherwise they're going to lead you down a path you're not supposed to go. And in this pivotal moment of their journey, right when they go into their first battle, says, leave nothing behind, right? Wipe it out. And anything that's taken is devoted to the Lord. One man takes it upon himself because, hey, God's for us. No problem. This is no big deal. And what do we see? It absolutely is. 36 people lost their lives because of his decision. A whole nation that was devoted to God, excited, ready. They had just come off the hype of their first battle win. Woo! God is going, yeah! Their hearts melt and wither. Why? 
Because I, like them, are fickle. I'd like to say I'm strong all the time, but I'm not. As much as we sing songs of victory this morning, one moment, right, we sing a song and, yeah, I'm excited and, and, and there's a moment, of, yeah, God's going to take, man, he's going to take what the, the enemy intended for evil and he's going to turn it for good. And yet we can sing the next song and go, man, it feels like sometimes I'm walking around these walls and I thought by now they'd fall. And I got to keep reminding myself, God hasn't failed me yet. And he's not going to fail me, even though I don't know what it looks like. Right? Achan takes does what is evil. It infects and impacts not only his life, but the lives of others. And God says, no. We hear this in verse 25. So then the Lord, Joshua says this. He says, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. And Israel stoned him and ended up like every bit of his family and his legacy was wiped out. And they burned him. Because we see the impact of one moment, one particular moment in this moment. Right? Joshua leads a people, tries to stay committed to the Lord, and in that commitment, saves the people, allows them to enter a new land in life. But Achan decides to do things his own way, and what does it lead him to? Death. And so even if you just want to keep that as a symbol today, because you can't really, you have a hard time wrestling with some of these passages in the Bible, that's okay, you can keep it as a symbol. Sin leads us to death. Disobedience leads us to lifelessness, whether we like it or not. If we want to form God into our buckets, we want to conform him around our ideals. If we want to craft him into our images, it will always lead us to lifelessness. However, if we allow him to form and shape us, there's life. Now, we started with this passage in Joshua 5. God says, neither, right? We see in Joshua, a man of God, a man of the people, God saying, I'm for you. All right, good things. But we also see a person, Achan, a man of the people. God wasn't really for him, was he? Well, there's one more story. We got to see it in our video today, and it's that of Rahab. And I think this neither is really important again in a reminder, especially when we read books like Joshua in the Bible, that God wasn't for Israel only. But as we hear all the way back to John 3, when we get into the New Testament, that God so loved the world. Right? He didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world through Christ. That reality has its roots here in this story. Rahab Hides the spies. I love those videos. I hope you're enjoying those every week. But, you know, I love the two little spies climbing in. And yeah, she's a woman for one. Lives on the city gates. Uh, she's a prostitute. So makes quite an interesting living, um, to say the least. And, and here these strangers find their way to her house. What does she do? She hides them. But listen to her confession when they come to her door. So, Joshua, again, back, when we heard of it, when we heard of the stories of God, Joshua 2, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Quite a confession. She didn't go, well, okay, I believe everything about God now. No, she goes, 
We've heard the stories about what your God has done up to this point, and that has caused the fear of the Lord. If you were here this summer, we talked about the fear of the Lord throughout. It's the beginning. It's the end of wisdom. The fear of the Lord makes our knees knock. Why? Because we understand who God really is, right? We're talking about the God of the world, that nobody, God doesn't bend his knee to anybody, right? He won't let us craft him into any mold or form. And she's got her knees knocking. But one of the beauties of that same confession, to fear the Lord is to know that he is for us and not against us. And we see that when what? The spies end up saying, yeah, we'll, we'll enter into this, this promise with you that because you have done this for us, because you have saved us, because you've, you've, you've not only hidden us, but then you've let us down by this scor- scarlet cord out your window, living on the city's edge, we will save you and your family. That was her request. Just save us. Just remember us when the time comes. But I thought God said, wipe out all the people. <laughs> well, what do we hear in Joshua 6? But Joshua spared Rahab, the prostitute, with her family, and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the people, among the Israelites, to this day. What do we see? Now somebody outside brought in. The neither allowed for Rahab to be a part of God's kingdom, God's ways. God's agenda be brought into God's life. Not only that, in Matthew 1, when we hear the genealogy of Jesus, Rahab not only is brought into the people, lives there till this day, so whenever Joshua was written, but Rahab becomes the mother of Salmon, who becomes the mother then of, of Boaz, who then with Ruth become the parent, and then down the line becomes what? The, like, genealogy? The line of Jesus. Because of not just Joshua's faithfulness did a people get saved, but because of the faithfulness of a woman. A woman who goes, we heard the stories and we want to get, we want to conform our lives around God. We want to let his story become our story. If you would, just save us. Because of that, there is salvation to you and I today. That neither of an angel that says, I'm not bound to a party, I'm not bound to agenda, an agenda other than the Lord. The commander of the Lord's army only cares about what the Lord's will is. Sounds a lot like, to me, Jesus when he says, I've come to do my Father's will. And at the end of the day, even when he's in the garden, Drew and I were talking about this this week. Drew was bringing up the idea again, what did he say in the garden? Lord, if it be your will, take this cup from me. But if not, right, and we know what does he do? He goes to a cross for the world. Because God isn't against the world, isn't for us. God is for us in Christ Jesus. And yet, God is not for everything you and I are for. God is always inviting us into a journey where we can find ourselves and our identity in him as the creator of a world who loves us, who has saved us and redeemed us, who has rescued us. 
A God who forms us and wants to shape his life into us, wants to help us enter a new life in a new land. New land, new life. And a God who invites us to follow his ways. And I dare say when we do that, folks, it's not just Joshua leading people into life. It's not just Rahab making it possible for salvation to come to us all. It might actually be Christians reaching across aisles, teaching us how to find solutions. Christians who are involved in Republican parties and Democratic parties and independent parties and Green parties. Right? Maybe the church says, we don't play your game anymore. And we're going to play our God's game. Where anything that matters to his kingdom matters. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. And let's figure out a way forward together. Think life can come from that? Think we could impact the state of our communities? But it's going to cause us to say, not my will, Lord, but yours. Today I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to invite us to pray the Lord's Prayer together at the very end. I'm going to say something around the lines of, we're going to pray the words you taught us to pray, right? That'll be your cue. It'll be up on the, on the screen for you. The version we use is just one shared across campus, so if it's a little different and then you know it, hey, pray it the way you know it in your heart. But there's something in the words Jesus teaches us to pray today that continue to be a reflection and a reminder of the book of Joshua in this message today. Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom, thy will, not my kingdom and my will. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you that we have a rescue through Rahab, through your neither. Lord, what, what an encounter to come up against the Lord of the hosts Commander of the armies, Joshua, I, I got to think Joshua saw Jesus, this theophany, this God being made real in that Old Testament passage in time. Father, whenever we're in your presence, it's holy ground. It's here in this gym, can be holy ground when we're in your presence. It's at our bedside, it's holy ground in our car as, we're, as our mind is, is caught up in talking to you while also trying to keep our eyes on the road. Lord, that can be holy ground. As we hold our children in the middle of the night, as we wrestle, Lord, with diagnoses or accidents that happen this week. When we're in your presence, Lord, pouring out our hearts, shedding our tears, when we're crying with you, when we're laughing with you, it's holy ground because we're with you. And while it's true, Lord, you are for us. You are for this world because you are for bringing us all into a new land and a new life. God, you're not always for what we're for. So forgive us today for how we shape and mold you into the things, into our ideals, into our agendas how we kind of put you in a box from time to time. And we fail, Lord, to allow you to shape who we are. Forgive us for that, God. 
and show us how we do that. Maybe it's the simplest of things. The things we give permission to. Maybe it's the biggest of things. But Lord, nonetheless, lead us into new life. May we, may we see you face to face. Lord, in Rahab, salvation came. In that neither, Jesus has come. God, thank you that you rescue us. Thank you that you have brought us into a new life and new land. Thank you that you continually invite us to follow you, to meditate on your, on your law day and night, to engage you, and you make that possible. Father, you're good. May we see that goodness. Lord, and as we think about this message today, as we think about your scriptures, God, we want to pray together a prayer that you taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, we invite you to stand together. We've got a song that's going to just give us some words to be able to say in our hearts a prayer of surrender, to be able to declare, God, we surrender to you, have your way. So you might have heard this one before, but as we sing it, we just invite you, maybe this is a moment for you to take just a posture of, of surrender today. Maybe it's as simple just holding your hands open or lifting a hand to, to Jesus to say, God, I surrender, I surrender to you, and I submit to your will and your ways. So we just invite you to sing this one out with us today.
Amen. It's interesting when we sing those words, they showed up in my devotions this morning. God's consuming fire. Why? Because it grabs onto the majesty, the transcendence, and the bigness of who our God is. And God wants to burn out the impurities of lifelessness so life can be for and in us. God is for you, not against you. He's not always going to be for what you're for. But he's going to keep inviting you into his life. Will you step in? As we think about that, as we process that, I just wanted to throw out one invitation today. Uh, if you're doing nothing this afternoon, want to come hang out Fall Festival from 3 to 5. Uh, if you want to paint some pumpkins, I think there's a movie going on. Come on over, join us, have some fun together. Otherwise, enjoy this beautiful day that is a gift of God in the middle of October. Yeah, yeah, right? And uh, have a wonderful and blessed day. Receive this blessing of our God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his smile upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All God's children said, Amen. Uh, if you don't mind today, uh, if you're by a table, leave the table, leave the chairs. If we can stack the rest of the chairs, that would be awesome. Leave the table chairs, stack the other chairs. Thanks. <laughs>